Hi everyone, welcome back to Peaky Downforce. Uh, I'm Tori, joined by Shaq and Kevin. Uh, we took a brief hiatus, uh, but this week we're going to go over our two most recent races. So we have the Styrian and Austrian Grand Prix, both being hosted at the Red Bull Ring. So um, let's just get right into it. Let's start with uh, the Styrian Grand Prix. So uh, guys, what, what, what were your general... I don't know, thoughts about this race. How, how, what were the vibes here? Because me personally, this race felt super forgettable outside of a few incidents that, you, that we'll get into. But what do you guys think? Um, I would have to agree with you, honestly. It, <clears throat> it was pretty much um, kind of settled um, a lot sooner than I thought it would be. Um, and I guess that, yeah, I just wasn't expecting things to be so clear cut so early um, um, as far as the result goes um, and, and who's going to be on podium. Uh, Shaq, what do you think? Yeah, pretty quiet race. I think I actually fell asleep at one point. So so, so pretty pretty tame, like you said. Um, I don't know. It was one of those races like it was really fun watching the timing sheets and things like that, but not much actual like on-track action. Uh, not too many. Not too many crazy head to heads. So it was alright though. I guess before we, we go a little bit sorry to cut you off, Kevin. Before we go a little bit further into the happenings of the first Grand Prix, can we talk a little bit about what makes this track unique? Like what what's special about the Red Bull Ring, if anything? Um, I think the the location is is just very scenic. I think that's one thing. It's just like a pretty track, which I know sounds kind of lame, but I think that's a semi-big thing. Uh, yeah, on, on top of that, it's I think it's the track with the least corners on the, on the whole calendar. So there's only 10 corners, which is like insanely few. And of those 10, there's like three or four corners that, you, that aren't actually corners. I think turn two, turn... Seven and eight are both like not really corners, so um you you end up with just like a lot of straights, which makes it a very power power sensitive track. So it's just raw speed, just like flat out pretty much the whole time. And then the other thing is you don't get a lot of tire degradation on this track. Again, probably because there's not that many corners. Um, so it's again just kind of flat out, which is nice. So does that put certain teams at an advantage coming here, where it's really about top-end speed? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone, anyone that has, that has again that that top speed, and then the ability to get through kind of like some slow corners with um, with good pace is going to be good here. Uh, just because turn one and turn three are painstakingly slow, even turn four is pretty slow as well. Um, then you get a couple medium speeds with turn five and six, and then you get your two high speed corners at nine and 10. But the, the lap here is so short. That's another thing is that the time differential between any cars is super small. So that the small little, the small little time difference in turns one and three is, is really what's going to make up the lap here. And that's, that's kind of what we saw this weekend. And we saw, we saw someone like Verstappen who typically does well here anyway. Um, it's, it's kind of Red Bull's home, home track, obviously it's their track. Um, and he's just, he's just really good in turn three. And if you look at, if you look at his turn three, he's just, he killed it. And that's, that's really a lot of what made the difference. So, 
Cool. All right, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the actual race itself. Uh, what are your thoughts on Verstappen and Hamilton? Just the raw pace these guys were able to put together uh, that Sunday. They were what, like twenty eight seconds up the road from from Botas and and Perez. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, like Norris kind of got in those guys' way a little bit. Um, and, and gave them a bit of a headache, but still, 28 seconds up the road, and I think they lapped pretty much everyone except for, like, their teammates. They they were just flying, and the fact that both of them were flying and, and Verstappen still managed to put 15 seconds on Hamilton like it was nothing was, yeah. was insane. <clears throat> that, that, was, that was, I guess, the surprising part to me, just to see that gap just continue to widen. Yeah. This race went on, even though they were both, like... You know, running away. Yeah. yeah, and I think it just like points out that those two are just in a completely different class right now. But I thought, yeah. you know, Botas was saying that anything that Hamilton can do, he can do. So how come he was? Maybe, maybe that's not appropriate. Um, uh, but, but what you, <laughs> I mean, is it I mean, what are say, your thoughts? I'd say to shoot Botas a little bail because. To be honest, he normally does better than Hamilton around here. And also, to be fair, he did out-qualify Hamilton in, in the Syrian Grand Prix. And just because he had that he had that um, three-place grid penalty, he started behind him. Um, so technically, he, he would have actually been in front of Hamilton without that penalty. Um, and historically, Botas out-qualifies Hamilton here. Um, I think majority of the time, he's... He's pretty good around this track, but like I said, Norris kind of got in the way with the with the McLaren, and it's it's not the easiest track to pass at. Um, you really have two chances to pass, and if you don't, then you're stuck behind them for the rest of the lap. And um, so I think that that really helped helped um, bring that gap up. I think without Norris being there, they still would have been behind, but they probably would have been more like ten seconds or so down the road from the front two, not not the twenty eight that we saw. So do you guys think this track is more about the the ability of your machine or the ability of your driver? That's kind of what I was getting at. Or is it a mixture? I mean, it's... Um, I think it's always a mixture. I think if if you have um, if you have quote-unquote equal drivers, I think as we were talking about earlier, it's going to reward the car with more straight-line speed and the ability to carry that speed through the few like sharp and slow forms there are um so i mean if we're saying for example the seven hamilton are you know they're they're on that other level together mm-hmm. um then we kind of saw what we have been suspecting all season that the red bull has a lot of like has good straight line pace and we saw their gains um whatever small changes were made to um the new engine spec um, and it's looked like a really effective package. So, I will say the car this time. Definitely, like, your car is going to put you in position to succeed, but your driver is going to make up that, that last bit of difference that you need, if that makes sense. No, it does. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. So, let's talk a little bit about Perez and Botas, and even uh, Norris's... Uh, kind of hand that he that, that he played this after, that afternoon um so i mean so paris and botas kind of kind of got like i said got stuck behind behind norris which 
basically killed their race from the start, right? So any any chance that Red Bull wanted of having a one-two was killed right there when when Norris kind of got ahead of Perez, and that's kind of been a problem that we've seen quite a lot. Is Norris gets these really good starts, and Perez is not so great qualifying has put him behind him at quite a few races, and then he it kind of compromises his race. And normally he's able to just run long and you know do like an overcut, but here when you don't have a lot of tire tire deg, you don't really see a big advantage with the over and undercut. So once you get a bad start here, you're pretty much kind of screwed. Now though, the one good thing for Perez was that he he really was ahead of Botas, and it looked like for the most part he was managing managing that gap really well. And we all know Botas when he's behind someone, it's he's not going to pass them, but. I think what really did him in was his pit stop. So I think it was somewhere around like lap 27 or something like that. Perez came in uh, for to swap to hard tires. And I think they had a problem with his front left tire, yep. I want to say. And yeah, he just, that little split second uh, kind of slowed him down just enough because Botas had closed the gap up to just under two seconds. And when he had that issue in the pit... Mercedes immediately said, "All right, we're going to pit Botas and try and get him out ahead of ahead of Perez," which was probably the smartest strategy thing that they've done in the last couple of races. Uh, no offense to them, <laughs> um, and yeah, that that Botas got back ahead of him. And to be honest with you, I we so we saw later on in the race, right, that Perez was behind Botas and Red Bull had Perez kind of pit again. Um, basically to try and come back come back at Botas with a, with a fresher set of tires. And I, I don't know if I agree with that strategy, right? I mean, granted, I'm playing Monday morning driver or whatever you want to call it, but for me, Sergio Perez is probably one of the best drivers on the grid on his tires, and Botas has shown that he's not the best on his tires. So... I would have probably just tried to let Perez try and eke out eke out his tires and let and let Botas kind of ruin his, holding Perez behind him. Um, but I mean, like I said, Monday morning driver, and that might not have worked either. So yeah, I mean, I can see I can see why they made that choice. Kind of like we're behind him already, so maybe you know maybe we get that you know rundown you know, similar to uh, what was that Barcelona mm-hmm. or yeah, so. Huh. I see it, and but it, he got close. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, but so we yeah, talked let's... about them being stuck behind um, Lando Norris, who, my guy, Lando. I think doing the thing. I think Lando is the most informed driver this year. He's he's doing what things makes you say that? that I did not expect. Um, his, his qualifying pace, uh, I, is, I, I don't know, just looking at where he was last year, and granted, I mean, a little bit of it, to be honest, might be just a little bit of all of us maybe underestimating, <laughs> um, Carlos Sainz, and not thinking, okay, well, Norris is just about the same level of Sainz, but now we're seeing Sainz against Leclerc, and we're like, okay, well, Sainz is, Sainz is the real deal, so maybe we just were underestimating Norris a little bit last year. But I just, I don't think that McLaren has any business being where he's putting it. In the last, like, eight F1 races, he's finished best of the rest, so, like, fifth place or better um, in, like, six of those races. He's the only driver this year that scored points in every race as well. That's, that is race. true. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, 
just being remarkably consistent this this year, um, and uh, you know outperforming his car almost. Um, at least I would say I would say so. Um, He's been and, outperforming his car me too, but. Ooh, hey, hey man, we can sa- save the smoke, on. save the smoke, but, <laughs> save the smoke. Yeah, but he's got a good qualifying pace. He's got a good race pace. His car might not be as fast uh, o- over an entire race as the front runners, but, but still, it's just very, very impressive this year. Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. He's he's been really exciting to watch. He's been extremely consistent. Hope he keeps it up. Um, so that, that said, how would you compare that his one lap pace to that of his teammates, Daniel Ricardo? But I'm kind of at the point now where I just think not, maybe the gap isn't this big, but I think the gap is the real deal. I think in, in, in qualifying pace, cause we, we see, and we'll, we'll talk about it later and we might disagree, but in race pace, Ricardo is not doing bad. But his qualifying pace is just is just off Norris. But I'm really like just looking at how well Norris has been performing in qualifying. I'm starting to think that that gap is really just the real deal, and that Ricardo just doesn't have that last couple tenths that, that Norris has. I don't think the gap is as big as it's looking right now. I think it'll come down, but I think Lando just he's quick. I think he's just really quick over one lap, and I don't know if Ricardo's ever going to have an answer for that, to be honest. I think we're going to be looking at, like, a Verstappen-Perez situation, possibly, where Verstappen just has that pace that Perez isn't going to be able to match at any point in time. Yeah, I, yep. I, I also want to kind of go on record and say I'm a huge Ricardo fan, which is why I'm so critical of, like, the lack of – my perceived lack of performance this year. But I do, I do feel he's in a really tough spot. You know, when that spotlight is on you, you're expected to perform from day one. And he, he wasn't really given that grace period that another driver might have been given because he's, like, touted as one of the stars of Formula One. And that's what comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, I I just can't help but wonder if if I could get into his mind and wonder, like, is this, is this what you had in mind thus far? Because you were on Red Bull with Max Verstappen. And we go to Renault. And now we're on McLaren. And it just doesn't seem like... I don't know. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but like, I just, I wonder if there's some uh, contract remorse there. If he's wondering, man, maybe I should have stayed where I was with the the vehicle that's performing much better. Um, you know, I don't. I thought I, I was actually thinking about this the other day, but I, I don't know. I don't think so. Just because, like, the so the reason he left Red Bull was because it was it was just literally turning into Max's team, and you have to like realize that. That Ricardo had been a Red Bull from twenty from twenty fourteen, um, and Max didn't get there till twenty what was it twenty seventeen twenty sixteen I think twenty seventeen. And so like you're you're this you're the guy there, and then like this new kid comes along, and it's literally just like flips on his head, and they're just all about him, and it's I can I get that that's a tough situation to be in, and it's like yeah cool I want to I won I win races here and there, but am I happy coming to work every day? You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, now, with switching from Renault to McLaren, there might be a little remorse there. That, that's a possibility. Does Does Formula One work like other sports, where it's like you get older and like you clearly have a defined prime, and then some of the elite players are able to do things, you know, long past that prime. But, but by and large, 
you have a small window of performance. Is Formula One the same? Yeah, definitely. You look at like around. I think they say typically around like. Well, the joke is they say once you have kids or once you get married, you lose a couple a couple tenths of a second. <laughs> See that. Um, but but typically around like things. Yeah. But typically, like around like their mid thirties is when you really start to see like a decline, especially in that like raw pace, like raw qualifying pace. Um, but I don't think I don't think Ricardo's there yet. I think Ricardo's what thirty one or thirty two. I think he's like thirty two. So, yeah, right so I don't I don't think it's he's at the age where he's he should be like regressing. Yeah. Okay. But also, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys Go saw ahead, also I, um, one other thing that he he had mentioned um, was that he's kind of like mentally like struggling just because of like COVID and like not being able to see his family. I guess he hasn't seen his parents in Australia and like basically in like over a year because of like the whole COVID thing. And I know he was saying that's that's been wearing on him too. So he just might not like mentally be in a good spot right now, you know. Uh, so let's talk about Leclerc. What happened uh, during his Sunday? Uh, the, the driver of the day, Leclerc, that I, I've i been laughing okay. about for like two weeks. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to think about Charles Leclerc, man. Like, I, he's really quick, but I feel like in the heat of the moment in some races, he just does things and I like look at it like, what are you, what are you doing? What was that? And he kind of pulled another one on on lap one, and that's it's that's kind of his thing. Is like lap one, he just like goes for it, like doesn't really care, and he's just like, well, balls to the wall. I'm just gonna go for this move, and if it doesn't work, well, whatever. And so lap one, he runs wide at turn one, which wasn't really the issue. Um, but what happens when he comes back on track is he starts like kind of just coming across to the right, where Pierre Gasly is right there, just like chilling, and he comes up right behind Pierre Gasly and ends up hitting Pierre Gasly's rear, like, left rear tire with his wing and causes Gasly to have a puncture and damages his own wing. Um, then inadvertently, because of the puncture, Gasly's not able to stop for turn three and also ends up taking out, who was it, Giovinazzi and, like, Latifi, I think. Latifi. So you have one incident by Leclerc that ends up pretty much ruining three other people's races. Um, Gasly not only had that puncture, he ended up with suspension damage, so he retired um, after one lap, so didn't even get to race. Um, but Leclerc pits, gets a new wing, and goes from last place, and I think he finished in like seventh or something. So by all means, for like seventy-ish laps, he had a great race. But that first lap was—I I don't know what he was thinking. It was just a little. Just kind of heated himself back on the track and just drifted over. That was, uh, yeah, that was a little, little strange to watch. Yeah. And I don't know how you guys feel about the the driver of the day. Um, do you guys think he deserved driver of the day? I'm purely off the comeback, maybe. But as a Pierre Gasly fan, absolutely not. <laughs> I was about to say, kind of took out three, uh, three yeah. people directly and indirectly by just being careless yeah and it's like and that's kind of like my thing is i don't know i I hate the driver of the day when they just give it to someone because they start at the back and then work their way back up to where their car should have been and that's basically what happened like he put himself at the back and then the ferrari was really good so he just drove past all the people with not so good cars 
and they were like, oh, he had like this amazing drive. Right. So I don't know. I don't like that. that position, but but he still. I don't know. Like he had a good race. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I can't give him driver of the day when you have someone like Max Verstappen at the front who completely like walked the race. There. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what Verstappen did what he was supposed to do, and I think that's more impactful than screwing up in the beginning and cleaning up your screw up, right. especially when it negatively impacts someone else's race. And I think this is my biggest gripe with Formula One that I've seen just in my limited experience watching. I don't like the fact that you can ruin somebody's entire day and they give you a five second penalty and they're like, all right, no harm, no foul. I'm like, that's 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 bull. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't even Gasly didn't even get to run his race at all. Well, and even has been on a tear. Yeah. Even more offensively, Leclerc didn't even get a penalty for that. They didn't right, even didn't investigate, bro. Yeah, they didn't did, even investigate. No investigation. No <laughs> so it's just like I've, I've seen a great inconsistency with that. And I, don't get me wrong. It's probably super difficult to make these judgment calls, but you also you got replay, you got cameras, you got all sorts of things to look at exactly what happened. Take the time, get the call right, and be fair. Because like, what's the point of going through the stress of practice and qualifying, getting a good position, and then your race gets ruined because somebody pulls an asshole move? They, yeah, they 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 gotta get it right. You're gonna you're gonna review it. There's something on the books. You gotta be able to call it properly. I just wonder what the solution is here without, you know, going off into the woods too far. But, like, even if it, a, a, a time penalty or give up your place or something, to me, that doesn't vindicate me if I'm sitting in the garage watching everyone race because I can't, my car's not drivable. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, I've wondered about that for a while. Yeah. I mean, the only thing they can do, honestly, what they need to do is they've they've basically started turning a blind eye to any like lap one incidents so like anything happens on lap one they're just like oh well it's lap one it's fine but you have people like leclerc who just like completely send it now on lap one and it's it's just all or nothing i mean you saw it last year and actually the same track he ran into the back of his teammate and completely took step out of the race and it's didn't nothing happen it was just like oh okay well i mean it was lap one and their teammates so who cares but um i think i think the only solution to have to make the drivers be more cautious especially on lap one is to to start actually penalizing them on lap one yeah definitely yeah calling those on the first time is a quick solution so yeah i started handing out some monetary fines and then oh the teams that are struggling to make ends meet will suddenly clean up their racing, I bet. But, you know, mm. then you got you have polarity because you have the people who are making the money hand over fist probably might not care. It's like, oh, we can, we can eat that. So it's really complicated. Like yeah. rich people in speeding tickets, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. So, but anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about, uh, about Russell. <laughs> Seriously, is George Russell cursed? Like, is there literally just a curse real, on George Russell? Real tears. Real tears. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he just cannot. This and both of these races just ah. Ever so, so what close. happened to George Russell again? For so, um, he was having reliability issues um, to start the race. Um, it was something to do with I thought it was like oil pressure or pneumatic pressure or something. And so he pitted on. Um, I think it was like lap seventeen or eighteen. Okay. Well, he he did he, he pitted twice, 
And the first time, I guess they thought they maybe it would be fine, but he eventually pitted again and had to retire because the leak just, it was too much of an issue, I guess. And so he's out of the race from, where, where, where was he at that point? P8. He was in P8. P8. Yeah. Point scoring position, having to retire. After qualifying his booty off, as usual. Yeah, he started in P11, was up to P8 after, like, the first lap, and was running in P8 and 17. Um, and, yeah, then just race over. Just race and over. it's like... No, no. I, just, I, I just, at this point, I feel like George Russell is just destined to not get points in Williams. Yeah, he he, he has to leave. That's, <laughs> that's what the universe is telling him, like, no, not here. Yeah, I mean, like, which is fair, because I don't think the Williams has any business scoring points anyway, but... (laughs) I mean, to be fair, yeah. But, like, bro, he's right there every race, and it's always something. I don't understand. You know, I I really empathize with... It's it's the popular thing to do, to empathize with the driver here. I know everybody's pissed off when things go wrong, but I think about it like this. If I'm in the NFL, I'm a quarterback, and my offensive line is unable to block somebody. Yes, I'm going to be mad. Yes, I'm going to be frustrated, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I know that they understand what it's like to perform out there with these monsters that are trying to get through them. I, they understand that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like if I was a driver and something keeps happening to the car that is not driver error, I would really and truly feel the type of way because it's like you guys aren't the ones that are having to deal with this behind the wheel at 200 miles an hour plus, you know, sometimes plus. Yeah. So I just feel like it's easy for us to sit here and say, blame the engineering team, the car is is trash or whatever. But like, I don't know how these guys sometimes, these drivers are able to pick themselves up and get back out there after they run a, a, a brilliant race and something out of their control happens to like negate it. Let's go over before we go into the second race. Let's let's talk about who you guys have for driver of the day of, of steering Grand Prix. Right, well, I'll jump in early, and my driver of the day has to be Verstappen. I mean, he just completely walked walked qualifying, walked the race, was in con- total control of the whole race. I mean, just he looked like he was just out there on a cruise while everyone else is fighting for their lives. So. I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta go, Max. Easy. I think it's because I feel like nothing happened. I don't want to give this driver of the day to anybody. Like uh, outside of the obvious choice, which is Verstappen, just because he ran away from everybody else. But I mean, as a joke, but not really. Like I, I can give this. This is something that I can give to George Russell. I can give him driver of the day for terrible, horrible bad luck (laughs) and great qualifying on the weekend and good race day pace, but terrible luck. That's fair. fair. Um, Me, I'm I'm probably going to plus one Shaq. It's boring when somebody isn't really challenged for the win, but he's not being challenged because he's running a perfect race. And if, what else can you ask for him other than that? Especially when you're racing at home, go out there, get the job done, and keep it boring. So, yeah. 
That's all you can get from it, bro. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, yeah, so as compared to Styrian Grand Prix, what are you? What are your thoughts on the vibes of this one, guys? Hmm. Um, well, qualifying was pretty interesting. Um, uh, we 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 kind of we kind of started talking about it um, when we were talking about just race pace. Um, and but let's go through people who had some uh, bad luck in qualifying. So all commas out in Q one, um, which was a surprise. But um, I guess one of the bigger shocks was Lando Norris. Almost getting pole, just missing it by. What was that four one hundredths? That tenth, hundredths of of a second. So even crazier. Um, and then we had some people who seemed like out of place to start the race. Um, what Hamilton started in P four, Bottas was in P five, and Perez was in P three, which is all right, but. No, of course, Norris is um, um, on the front row, right next to Max Verstappen. But also, this was a this is a race that I also seemed like it was going to be kind of just a not slow pace because none of this is happening slowly, but um, very calm race. But it was a very active midfield and like upper midfield, I would say. Uh, so I definitely got a, a racy vibe from everything that wasn't the very front of the pack. I don't know how everybody else felt. Um, I mean, I thought it was definitely more or like significantly more entertaining than than the first weekend. Um, you had, and I think I think a lot of it was the fact that teams had that had that kind of like extra week. Um, at that track, so they they really dialed in their cars, and everyone was pretty much at their at their operating best for the second weekend. Uh, so I think I think that helped a lot to kind of close down the gaps and make the racing a lot tighter. Yeah, I, I think I agree with everything you guys just said, um, especially what Kevin said about kind of the front of pack doing their own thing, and then everybody else kind of like fighting it out to the nail. That was the vibe that I I got from this one. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about your boy again, Shaq. Lando Norris. Um what did, what did he do this Sunday? Uh so Kev kinda of already talked about it, but I think just starting off the weekend in qualifying, putting his car on the front row, and really being being basically one turn away from from being on a pole. Um so watching back the replays of his lap and uh Verstappen's pole lap, Norris was actually ahead of Verstappen until turn 10, which is the last corner. And it was literally just like that very last corner where Max blipped him for that for that four 100s. So he's literally like a couple inches away from, from being on pole, which again is insane considering he's going up against a Red Bull, I think. Um, and then on top of that, so he's starting on the second row. Uh, at the beginning of the race, gets an amazing start and is running in second and is pretty much just a thorn in the side of Red Bull and Mercedes because now Red Bull, who had hoped with with Verstappen and Perez starting one and three, that their two drivers could just run off into the sunset and leave Mercedes behind, had to deal with Lando Norris getting in between 
in between the two drivers and critically holding Perez up, which kind of, again, not only holding him up, but a couple laps into the race, which we'll kind of talk about, led to an incident which pretty much dropped Perez almost out of the points at one point. So, yeah, he ran a good race and um, I think, what, finished P3? Yep, still on the podium. So back on the podium, um, and yeah, I mean, like like we said, the kid the kid can drive. I don't I don't know what else to talk to say about him. He's he's good, and he's he's just he's smart man. He has he has he has race race intelligence. I guess I don't know how you would say that, but he's really like pretty aware, and um, he doesn't. He doesn't get too emotional. One thing, one thing you notice about some drivers is they get very emotional on the radio. Yeah, that's a good call out. So yeah, let's check in with Checo. Um, what was the incident that uh, in question that, that you kind of just talked about? So essentially, it was so lap one, we get a safety car because I don't even know who Ocon crashed into. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Um. <laughs> But Ocon ended up out of the race because he had front suspension damage. And so we get a safety car restart. At the safety car restart, um, Perez and Norris are battling. And Perez tries to, very similar to last year with Hamilton and um, and Albon, Perez tries to go around the outside of turn four. And Norris basically runs him wide and Perez ends up out on the gravel and drops down to P10. And because of that, Norris got a five-second time penalty, um, and that's so that's that's essentially the incident that led to Perez dropping dropping half, like halfway down the halfway down the grid, um, and racing Leclerc. And we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But so yeah, let's talk about Hamilton versus Verstep- Hamilton versus Norris. Didn't what, expect what? to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, What's going yeah. on there? <laughs> what is going on there? Yeah, so basically after the whole Perez thing, Norris is now up in second place, and you have Hamilton, who's now in third, inherited the position from Perez behind Norris, and try as he might, Hamilton just could not get past Lando Norris. Um, I think he sat behind him for almost 20 laps. I think it was around like lap 20 or 21 or something like that that Hamilton was finally able to get past Norris. And again, it's just another it's just another sign of just how good of a driver Lando is that he's able to keep a seven time world champion behind him in a better car, which he came on the radio and said, like, Hamilton's quicker than me. Like, what do you guys want me to do? And he, he managed to hold him there for 20 laps, which which I thought was was really impressive. And apparently Hamilton agreed because he got on the radio and basically said Lando's such a great driver, like mid race, which I thought was really yeah. cool. It was yeah. cool to hear him say that. What I didn't like was immediately after he said it, the announcers were like, maybe he's saying that as like, you know, subterfuge or he's trying to get him off his game with the praise. And like, I, can we just have a compliment? Because he, he really did an outstanding job keeping him at bay for as long as he did. So now we have Leclerc and Perez. Uh, looks like we had two different incidents with Leclerc trying to overtake. Um, you guys want to run through that a little bit? Like what was going on and just your thoughts on, on the, the attempts? 
Um, so essentially, after fighting with Norris and coming out second best, Perez ends up down at P10. And on his attempted trip back to the top of the grid, he runs into Charles Leclerc. And the two of them end up battling for a while. And Leclerc actually, actually ends up behind Perez. And they're fighting it out. Leclerc looks like he's he's faster than Perez. And he's just kind of having a hard time getting around Perez. Um, and Perez is a pretty good defender, like historically. But Leclerc, again, very similar to what, <laughs> funny enough, Perez had done to to Norris on, on the lap four. Leclerc tries to hang it around the outside of, uh, of turn four. I think this is around like lap 40 or so. Um, so about a little more than halfway through the Grand Prix. Leclerc tries to hang it around turn four, and Perez, it's not exactly the same as the Norris thing. They actually have contact um, with a good amount of space left on the edge. But after they bump wheels, Perez just continues out to the outside of the track, like knowing Leclerc is there, and runs him onto the gravel as well. Which, after some investigation for like five laps, Perez gets a five-second time penalty, which I understand. It's, it's consistency, right? They did They did the same thing on lap four, so they give him the same penalty um, 40 laps later. But then, <laughs> like, something like six laps later, Leclerc comes back again, and they're fighting still. And they come through turn four. They're almost side by side. And then going into turn five, Leclerc takes the outside line. And basically the same thing happens. Perez just runs him out wide. Leclerc runs onto the gravel. And Perez, again, gets another five-second time penalty. Um, so now he has a 10-second time penalty. And I don't know. It's I'm not sure what either of them was thinking, to be honest with you. Um, but, well, Kevin, I don't know what your thoughts were. But. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know um, what the drivers were thinking. But the as far as the penalties being given out... Um, I felt like they, the stewards and race control had already painted themselves into a corner by um, giving out a penalty for that Perez and Norris incident. And I think, so I'm not entirely sure that I'm going to give a penalty on that initial incident. Um, if me from wherever, right. Um, just looking at it over and over again, um, because I mean, he, not even history, but just normal racing sense will tell you if you're on the outside of the racing line, you're eventually going to get squeezed and you have to back out. And that part is on you. They can give you space, but there's still the racing line. And if they're on the racing line, then they, at least in my mind, have something like the right of way. And so I don't think that that penalty was earned on that on what lap four. And so because of that, all of these um, all the these two penalties we're talking about with Leclerc and Perez. I mean, if there is no penalty called on Lando Norris, is there a penalty called on Perez at all? 
I personally don't. Because it looked as bad as it did, I think that's why they called it initially, but... I don't... I don't... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about these. I don't know about these. It seemed like they were, uh... It was, uh... They had a pretty heavy... Heavy hand or finger or whatever they used to press the button to give people penalties. <laughs> Not a heavy <laughs> finger. <laughs> um... So I'm actually going to slightly disagree with you. Um, I actually think that they kind of were penalty worthy. Because, yeah, so like, I don't know. And I, it's just an interpretation of, of racing rules, right? Um, of course. Some people some people feel that, you know, once once you have the quote-unquote racing line, like, you're, you're entitled to that corner. But to me, I'm like, these, these guys are racers. They, they're going to race and... I look at it as if if I'm right next to you, like I'm here. Like you can't just you can't just drive like I'm not here. Is is my thing, and that's what a lot of them do now. We've seen it, and I think the stewards have kind of set that precedent since Austria. What was that? 2019 with um, with Leclerc and Verstappen, basically the same thing. Like Verstappen just comes up the inside and like bumps Leclerc off the road, and they didn't penalize it. So from that point on, people right. were like, "Well, okay, I can I can just do this." Mm-hmm. But I think if a, if a car is there, like you can't just drive like a car is not there and say, "Well, I had the racing line." Like there is a car there, so I, I think you have to leave that space. Um, personally, is is my opinion on the whole thing. But so I, I disagree in that sense, where I, I do think that they were all penalty worthy. What I want to see, though, that I don't see is just consistency from stewarding across across the different races, because like like here, this was penalized what four times in the race. But if you look at any other race, like, they are allowed to just run somebody wide. And then, like, if if you think of any other track, like, I can guarantee you, if if this has happened at a track with just regular runoff and it wasn't gravel that the drivers went into, they, they probably would have allowed it. And That's what I'm saying. And I think my biggest Come thing on. is they, they need that consistency. So while I think I disagree with you that I think these should have been penalties and they should always be penalties because there's a car that you can't just drive to the other track and then be like, oh, well... He shouldn't have tried to pass me there. Like he's allowed to p- try and pass you wherever he wants to. Yeah, I, I just think yep. the consistency isn't there. <laughs> Definitely, I agree. The consistency is not there. But I mean, you're not allowed to pass wherever. You can't just stick your nose into a corner and think everything's going to be copacetic. Um, at speed, you you still, as the passing or driver who's attempting to pass, you can't put yourself in a bad, terrible, no good position and then expect to get bailed out with the penalty later on. I think that's where where the balance in giving out a penalty like this would come because it can totally be the case where people are and I agree, people are getting run off the road so I, I just think like you said they're going back and forth and so in this case they painted themselves into a corner with the first one, which was only looked as bad because there is gravel over there. That was just asphalt. He just ran off. There's a and he comes back on the track in the wrong. Yeah, way. that's fine. Yeah. And and if that's the case, I don't think they call that a penalty. Yeah. Or, or give out a penalty, and then there are no penalties for the rest of the race for it. So I don't. It, I I think your call for consistency. I mean, with this and with. Uh, so many other things is really what need. That's really what we need. 
clarity of what's yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. And like, so when I say, when I say like, you can, they can pass wherever, like, I don't mean like someone can literally just like chuck it on the inside and then like, if either not make the corner or like hit you. But like, in, like in the case of Perez, so like what I would say is, if Lando Norris hadn't come out wide, would Perez have made that corner? He wouldn't have run off without Lando Norris just like pretty much running off the track, right? Like he was on the track, he slowed his car down, like he was perfectly fine driving there. In cases like that, I don't think a driver should just be able to say, well, I had the line, so I have the right to just push him off. Like he was in a position like where he was driving the car normally. Lando Norris had every ability to not go out there and just push him off the track and I think you have to make that effort not to because there is a car there and it's not like Perez had just like come flying out of nowhere and tried to chuck it down the side he had been like right next to him for a while so Norris knew he was there but no I agree like you can't just chuck it on the inside and then be like oh well I was there so penalize him but that's how I look at it I just realized that I I, you know after just listening to your, your perspectives on the stewarding and penalties I, I just consistency is key like in any sport you know you want to know how the game is going to be called um, but I think there's an additional layer here because in other sports the rules that you see are in place to protect the integrity of the game more often than not to make sure you can't circumvent the rules things like goaltending you know just to make sure you can't kind of cheat Whereas in Formula One, from what I've seen, I really and truly believe the rules should be in place to protect everyone on the field. Because it's different than playing basketball when you're driving two tons of steel at 200 miles an hour. So this this whole this whole uh, context of like, okay, does he have the inside line? Can he force him out? At the end of the day, safety has to trump everything else. And sometimes I feel like, from what I've seen... It's not always, that's not always the case, because if it was, I, I think we would get more penalties assessed on these types of scenarios that would discourage drivers from taking these types of chances, because I, we don't have to express how dangerous what they're doing is, they know it, and all it takes is one, one, one incident to go the wrong way, and then we're talking about somebody's loss of life, potentially, so I, I, I just think the stakes are a little bit higher when it comes to this, so they need to be... Um, more consistent, like starting now. That's kind of my two cents on it. So I think you're both right. All right. So uh, Russell versus Alonso. What do you guys think there? More tears. More tears. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Poor Russ, man. Just let him have it. What 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 rate? What number race is this for you? Just let him have it. Yeah, you don't need the points, bro. You don't need the points. You don't. You don't. Does like does Alpine really need? I mean, Alpine is only like twelve points behind Aston Martin, but like, does Alpine really need that that point? They don't really need it. Yeah, they they could have just let have, let let George have it, but I mean, it was it was a good fight, and that was probably one of the better like clean like. 10 plus lap like wheel to wheel fights I've seen all year um, George did some really good defending and you're defending against Fernando Alonso who is a hard person to defend against um, so I think I think that was that was just really good wheel to wheel racing um, good clean wheel to wheel racing and not what we saw from the likes of Leclerc and, and Perez today yeah. um. <laughs> not, they didn't actually come wheel to wheel yeah 
it helps. And so I, I, I thought I thought that was impressive. I don't know what you guys thought, but I agree. Yeah, I, I agree as well. You you love you love to see it. You love to see it. And speaking of George, I don't know. Did you guys watch the the podium ceremony at all? I did not. Because I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask if you guys noticed anything about Valtteri Bottas, who finished P two. Yeah, he was in P two, uh, but I did not see the podium ceremony. So, I... so he looked like the most miserable person to ever like receive a chirp trophy I've ever seen in my life. Like the dude did not smile. Like <laughs> Lando and Max up there pouring champagne on each other. He's just like casually like shaking off the balcony, not smiling, and it just looked to me like a guy that just knows like it's it's over it's quiet for me like i think i think he knows that he's going to williams i think mercedes told him um shit but they're not gonna do the move until the end of the season no so i think they're gonna announce it in, in britain so well i don't know if we something we didn't really talk about um hamilton just extended for two years so hamilton's right. with mercedes for two years and you know they claim, oh, you know, next we just have to like figure out who's going to be in the second seat. But it's like you don't lock up Lewis Hamilton without him knowing like who's going to be next to him for the next two years. Right. So who I, do you think that is? Oh, well, we we know who, who it is. <laughs> we know who it is. There, there's only one person it can be, man. It has to be George. They they don't have a choice. Um, and it just looks to me like Botas knows. And I don't know if this was the weekend they told him or if they told him before, but he just looked je- dejected on the podium. Kind of like, well, I'm, I'm P2, but, like, what's it all for? Right. Uh, <laughs> nothing, I do, nothing I do at this point matters. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, the rumor is, the rumor is they're going to announce Georgia at, at Britain, which would make sense because you're announcing an all-British all lineup. Why not do it in Great Britain? And it's going to be full attendance there too so the the crowd's gonna be crazy um so i could see that happening honestly and i think i think botas goes back to williams if if this comes to pass do you guys feel that that's better for mercedes i think it's the smartest thing for them to do um whether it actually turns out better is always yeah like when when you ask is it better do you mean like is it dangerous pairing up russell with hamilton yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like, is that um, a pairing that you guys think could work in a way that Botas and, and Hamilton didn't? I think so. I mean, I think Botas and Hamilton actually work really well together um, because of the fact that Botas is able to push Hamilton in qualifying, but then in the race, like he just doesn't have Hamilton's speed, so Hamilton's normally able to pull away. I think Botas is actually a really good second driver. Um, Especially when Mercedes has a bit of a gap. I think it'll be... I think George will be a little bit more competitive. But at the same time, I think he'll realize, like, I'm coming into a team with a seven-time world champion. Not not that he's going to have, like, a second driver role. But he's going... I think it's not going to be, like, a Nico Rosberg situation. Where there's, like, going to be infighting and stuff like that. Um, just because I, I think... Soaking up knowledge. Yeah, I think because of the age, the age gap and the respect level there... Um, He's gonna he's gonna be respectful and just again just like Kevin said be trying to soak up knowledge from a seven time world champion. Um, that doesn't mean I, I I do think he's gonna probably push Hamilton um, in qualifying and probably even the race too after at least after a little bit. 
Um, do you um so mid season announcement picking up next year? You think? Yeah, they're not they're not going to switch. They're not going to switch this year. Um, and the reason the reason I think it's a good thing that they do it next year is because this year, well, one they can't do it this year because the the car doesn't even fit George. Um, he's too tall, so their their car design, yeah, their car design really doesn't fit him. Two, like at the end of the day, Botas has been in this car since twenty seventeen. Like he knows the car, he knows the team. To put someone like George in there for the rest of the year, it's you're pretty much resigning yourself to losing losing the championship Give because yeah. yeah, because he's gonna have tough weekends where he just doesn't have the car under him. Um, and as good as he did in like the steering GP, that was basically like them racing on an oval. So there's not a lot of corners. There's not a lot of that, right? So it's it's gonna be a little different than there. Um, but the reason why next year is great is because it's brand new brand new regulations. So it's basically brand new cars. So it's going to be fresh for everybody across the grid. So that's the perfect time to swap to a new team because it's going to be basically the same thing for everyone. Everyone's going to be starting fresh. And so that's why that's why it's next year is the, the best time to do it. Ooh, did we want to get into this, uh, a, a look at the teams and championships uh, implications? or? Yeah, we can run through them real quick. Um, you want to start at the top with Red Bull? Um, so I mean, for me, we have Verstappen who is just killing it at the moment. I don't, I don't think they could can put a foot wrong. I, I don't know if they, I don't know if they can lose this championship. Um, I think, I think Silverstone is going to be very telling. Um, depending on how Mercedes, who's historically good at Silverstone, depending on how they come out of Silverstone, I think it's going to tell us a little bit more about what we can expect for the rest of the season. If they lose, if they lose Silverstone, I think I think my hopes going out the window for for this championship. Um, Perez, I think Perez is coming good. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see Perez like qualifying really consistently on the front row, just because he's never been a great qualifier like historically. Um, but I think I think he's doing better, and I think we can expect him in that like P three to P five range of qualifying. And as long as they can get him up there, I think. Red Bull has a really good shot of, of getting him onto the podium. So, yeah, I think they're doing good. Yep, I think it's serious to lose. It's been going to perform like they have been. Um, Mercedes, what do you guys think? I mean, we, we just talked about Botas, and we, we don't think he'll be a Mercedes driver next year. Right. Um, he's, so. still, he's still putting in drives, though. Um, and still, you know still keeping up yeah i mean he had he had a good two weeks he, he yeah he had two I, good I races think we i just want we give him a lot of slack i'm not we don't give him a lot of slack up here at times but i will say regardless of how we looked on the podium he's been a consummate professional this season mm-hmm. and you can tell that things haven't gone the way he's wanted them to but he's come to work every day he's done the job seemingly to the best of his ability there's some tendencies we've identified that maybe he could improve on but like dude he, he's driving better than just about everyone else outside of two or three drivers you know yeah yeah gotta give him that yeah. and I mean he's coming away from, from these two weekends with two podiums um, there's only I think one other person on the grid that did the same and that's Verstappen um, so I mean and like so yeah it's, I understand being dejected because it's like 
can you imagine like and this is obviously assuming mercedes did say hey yeah you're not coming back it's like fam i just got you guys two podiums mm-hmm. and now you're replacing me with some guy that's literally never done anything and it's right. it's got to be tough it's a tough spot to be in um and the fact that he's able to stay professional like that is is just testament to his character to be honest so yeah um yeah so then i guess what a hundred points back from mercedes yeah. Um, and so now we're looking at the kind of midfield which is pretty uh, is pretty clear stratification here um but lando good old lando norris getting it in there um and has just been as i said earlier just very consistent all season and this weekend um or the Syrian Grand Prix did, did get the P5, but he did bring home a podium for the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, now, we do have to get to your guy, Tori, Danny Rick. Um, He's Daniel right now. <laughs> God damn. Daniel. God damn. You got to earn it. Ooh, damn. Oof. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. You have to earn it. And he he's getting, he's getting better, but it's, you know, because we expect him to be, you know, right there next to um, Norris, it just looks lackluster. So, me and Tori are going to disagree here, but I think he actually had a really good race weekend this last week. And I, I even think his first race weekend in the steering Grand Prix was going well until he got like engine had engine issues um you look at it he was up in he was up from p13 and up into p9 already um then started having issues and dropped back down but he was doing well and this weekend he where'd he start he started 13th and finished in seventh and yeah granted his his teammates on the podium but his teammate started on the podium so i think Obviously, qualifying, he's not there, but I think race-wise, he actually had a really good race. Yeah, no, I actually think he was driving very well. I was excited for him, especially in Austria. You can't help car trouble. If the car isn't performing the way it should, that's what's going to happen. So, like, yeah, I'm on my Daniel hasn't really lived up to expectations campaign, but this footnote of that campaign, I don't necessarily put on him. It's just all the other races. Yeah. Yeah, just all the other races. Yeah, yeah, just all those other ones up to this point. Yeah, yeah. But and then right behind McLaren, um, the Ferrari, what is a Ferrari? The Ferrari. <laughs> well, according to um, what's his face? Uh, is that Daniel Rule, who uh, who did that movie with Thor? That F one movie was the name. Of it. Oh, he's talking about Rush? Ford versus Ferrari? No, he's, oh, talking, Rush, about, he's talking about Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Rush. <laughs> it drives like a peak. But, um, so Ferrari, um, quietly, I guess because they're not third in the points, but they have two drivers kind of putting in work, even though Leclerc's making more work for himself than he maybe should sometimes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> they they have two drivers who are putting in work. They're um what, twenty points? Is that twenty? Twenty one? Nineteen. Nineteen. Oh man. I can't count. It's crazy. But nineteen uh, points behind McLaren. Um so 
still interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that grapple stretch, especially when we get to a track like Silverstone, I think they're going to struggle because you do get a lot of a decent amount of tire wear there. But it's kind of like what I said, like I think last podcast was Ferrari's going to do well on these tracks where you have very little tire wear. And then when you go to the tracks with a lot of tire wear, especially like the front limited tracks, they're going to struggle because their their front tires just go off so quickly. Um, and that's, that's where McLaren's going to be able to stretch their gap. So I expect going to Silverstone, Ferrari's probably going to struggle. Um, and I don't remember what the rest of the calendar is, but we'll take a look at it at some point and I'll do some predictions. But I'd say Science has been another driver, like outside of Norris, it's been really impressive this year because I didn't think he was going to be running Leclerc this close. And not only running him this close, but he's looked better than him on quite a few weekends, to be honest. Yeah. So that's that's been impressive to me. I don't even know where they're on the driver standings. Is uh, Geez, 62 and 60 points. Leclerc has 62 and Science has 60. So he's like right there. And we're talking about a guy that just came into this team versus the two-year incumbent. So that's that's impressive. Um, and then we have all the A's. Um, literally every team <laughs> that starts with an A. Um, right in a row. Um, Alpha Tauri. Um, this is a whole different, whole different fight down here below Ferrari. Yeah, let's not get too hasty, man. They cheated my boy, Gasly. <laughs> To win yeah, that race. That's not gonna make up. <laughs> that's like he was gonna win that race. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> bring up sixty points. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So Gasly has been has been putting in putting in work all season. We've talked about some bad luck here and there. Had some more bad luck in the steering GP and um, Austria just. I just I don't think they had the car honestly this weekend like in the race like they they were able to qualify well and I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like both their drivers didn't do that well as far as the actual race I think their car just struggled a little bit on on like long runs so but I mean gas is really good um Sunoda's and this is probably because this is the first time he's actually been to the to another a track for the second time as an F one driver, but like he he looks pretty decent, um, especially in qualifying. So, so that's that's good. Hopefully, he can continue that trend. Yep. Oh, hopefully, hopefully, an upward trend for Sonoda for the rest of the year. Um. Um. The next A, Aston Martin. Uh, this is the. This is the, I guess, the one-two fight here in the midfield. Um, four points behind AlphaTauri in the Constructors' Championship. Um, they have Vettel and Stroll. Vettel getting absolutely cleaned up on the last lap. <laughs> Bro, the like, like, <laughs> I was so confused. Like, I, I don't even like understand like how Kimmy like didn't see him. Like, he was just right next to him and. Kim was just like, well, I'm just going to turn right. <laughs> like, never, never mind the car that's right in front of me. Ah, uh, yeah, never, yeah. Who is that? He just, yeah. So that's that's just horrible luck. And somebody just not caring about you at all. Yeah. Um, and um, Stroll 
I mean, doing stroll things. Yeah. I mean, he scored. Out. He scored the only points for the team over these two weeks. So over, I mean, over the two weeks, yeah. Um, what place was Fenway? <laughs> Um, absolutely waxed. That's a good question. I don't. He, he wasn't in the points. I think they were like they were around like eleven, twelve. So he was like on the edge of the points. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. So Stroll did bring home the only points. So, so um, and they're four points behind Apatali. We'll see how um, how this two week break suits them. Yeah. Well. I think Avatari is probably going to be... Well, they might both be strong at Silverstone. I can't call it. I want to say Avatari might be a little stronger, but we'll see. That's just my guess. I'll probably be wrong, so... Write it in stone right now. Avatari is going to be bet. Okay. Um, right after... Well, not right after, but... Um, a few clicks down. Alpine. Uh, with Alonzo and Ocon. They, uh... Alonso stealing points from George Russell's mouth, <laughs> taking the binky from a baby, just yeah. But he scored points both weekends. Um, yeah. Ocon, Do you... since he signed that, since he signed that contract, man, he this this man signed this man signed for three years and said I'm chilling, bro. He signed three years and said I'm good. This man pulled a Zeke Elliott. It's crazy. <laughs> That's it. I don't even have to play. They like, paid me all like, do you think they're having like buyer's remorse already? Because like, they signed him right, and now Alonzo's kind of like back in form, and now you're looking at Ocon like, well, your teammate's doing all this. Yeah, why didn't? Yeah, why did we renew you? We could have renewed him. Probably not. But yeah, yeah, I think they're already experiencing a little bit of buyer's remorse. He's just yeah. got to get it together. Maybe he, maybe he celebrated too hard. Give him the new contract. He just needs to like bring it back in. Yeah. Maybe the break will help him out. Uh, who's uh, next? Alpha Romeo. Alpha Romeo. So, Giovinazzi and Raikkonen. Raikkonen doing whatever that was at the end of the Austrian GP, but um, still putting a good drive. I think someone like pays. I think someone pays the TV people not to show not to show Alpha on TV. Because I swear to you, I didn't see either of them until until Kimmy crashed into to Vettel. They must not have the sponsors to <laughs> the TV time. But they're kind of there. I mean, Giovinazzi hasn't been doing horrible. Like his his qualifying is good, and then he just kind of like loses out to Kimmy in the races. I don't I don't really know what it is, but Kimmy seems to be able to like run better than him in the races most of the time, but. Is what it is. Is what it is. Yep. Yeah. Then Williams. We've talked about George, so we talked about that a lot. Latifi. I don't like. Let's. I don't know. Latifi's there. I don't think he's very good. I think he's just a really nice guy. He's driving. Driving a car. Basically. I think. I'm hope I'm hoping that they don't resign him next year. I think he's a really nice guy, but I think he needs to go race in like Formula E or something. And even there, I don't think he'll be that competitive. Um, I think they need to bring in. I don't know who they bring in. Like people say Jack Aitken, but I don't. 
rate Jack Aiken that highly either. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know if it's time for that yet. But. Um, and then Haas, Haas. Yeah, I mean they just race each other all weekend, basically. Yep, totally. <laughs> they have their own little battle. Yeah. I don't know. Not much to say about them. I don't want to. They're just there. Yeah, I'd rather. I'd they're really there. rather not. Yes. Skip. No disrespect, but. <laughs> yeah, respectful. Respect. Maybe a little disrespectful. Moving, moving roadblocks Maybe. at this point. That's Maybe. all they are. Yeah. <laughs> said respectfully. You know what that means these days. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we wrap up, let's get uh, your driver of the day picks for. Our second race of the weekend. I mean, of the, the doubleheader, rather. Kev, you want to kick us off? Big Shaq went first last time. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take first. So, I'm going to go with Lando. Lando, Lando. No, that's, that's not a good nickname. So, yeah, Lando. I think I'm going to go with him um, for my driver of the day. Um, just had a really great weekend and then that showed itself on you know in qualifying and on race day um, and makes it very hard to I guess deny his pace and ability um, just based off of his car and what he's driving so yeah I'm giving it to Lando um I'm going to go with my guy, George, putting it into Q3, into Q3 for the first time for Williams, and being a couple laps away from points. Um, yeah, I think he had a really good, really good weekend in general, a really good race day, so I'll go with him. Um, I'm going to go with Kevin's pick as well. I, I, I thought Lando, first of all, the announcers kept saying they had him predicted to fall back to fifth. So the fact that he, and, and you know, it's just the announcers, but like he exceeded expectations. He was a thorn in the side. He was like able to, well, he came in third, right? Yeah. Yep. He was yep. able to kind of have a big day for himself and, and, you know, show that that McLaren car can podium, you know, in case the other guy wants to try that <laughs> this year. So that's where I'm at with that. Cool. Um, so this coming week is a week off, and, uh, and the next week we're going to pick it up again at Silverstone, the uh, British Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Um, anything you guys are looking forward to in particular from that race as we look a little bit down the road? I'm, I'm not going to hold you, but even before that race, I'm looking forward to a week off because three weeks in a row, and like y'all know me, I wake up, I wake up in the mornings to watch practice and everything. So three weeks in a row of that. I'm ready for this break, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as I'm not as dedicated to watching the practice and, and qualifying, but um, I'm looking forward to actually at the race the kind of proof being in the pudding and seeing how things shake out after this week break with the front runners and also checking in a consistency check on a few drivers on a different kind of track. That's what I'm looking for, and looking forward to, actually. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Lewis Hamilton racing on the Lewis Hamilton straight for the first time. Because they're going to talk about that all weekend. That's right. Sir Lewis Hamilton. Bro, yeah. they're, they're literally, they're literally going to talk about that all weekend, I promise you. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they are. That's going to, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to watch the run-up, the weekend run-up. <laughs> at, at all. Imagine if he passes somebody on this. Is it a DRS zone? <laughs> no, it's it's a pretty short. It's a pretty short straight. It's the back straight. I don't know if you know Silverstone well, but it's the back straight where the like old start finish line is. Oh, okay. Thanks for hanging with us as we we covered two different races. We talked about a lot of things today. Um, until next time for Shaq and Tori. Uh, Shaq and Jesus, let me do that again. For Shaq and Kevin, I'm Tori. Good luck with the, the editing there. <laughs> so, no, leave it in. Leave cut it that in. out. I'm going to leave, leave nope. the whole thing in. <laughs> all of this. Just leave all of this in. All right, everybody. Yeah, uh, nice. Thank you, guys. Yes, they would have won. I don't care. Yes. They would have won. 60 points. Okay, man. Up there. Double points. Double points. <laughs> 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 <laughs>